What's happening, food eaters? This is Mel Weinstein, host of the Food Labels Revealed podcast and the self-professed prophet of processed foods. So, you know, uh, a new show is released at the end of every month, and this is episode number 41. Today, once again, I focus my attention on fast food restaurants and the prevalence of industrial ingredients in their products. I evaluate two of the most iconic American restaurants, Kentucky Fried Chicken and Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen. Along the way, we'll look at some history, some nutritional facts, and some truly astounding findings about the ingredients in a basic fried chicken meal. Even after three years of doing this podcast, I was not prepared for those findings. For newcomers to the podcast, here is some info about me. I have a 30-plus year background in chemistry education, food testing, and food chemical research. And during that time, I have had a fascination, some may call it an obsession, with the topic of processed foods, what's in those foods, and their impact on our health. I try to look behind the commercial food curtain at all those strange, hard-to-pronounce, and sometimes dangerous ingredients that are sold in many of the grocery stores, roadside convenience stations, and restaurants in this country. This is a 100% free, on-demand radio show. Yes, I said free. This podcast has no sponsors, financial supporters, venture capitalists, or Patreon websites. All the opinions expressed in this podcast are mine, and I plan to keep it that way. All I ask of you is to listen, and if you are informed, educated, or entertained by the content, please let others know through social media or the old-fashioned way, word of mouth. Website and contact information will be provided at the end of the show. Let's get to those chicken meals. In the last episode, I looked at the hidden ingredients in chicken, specifically those types of hens called broiler chickens that are raised strictly for meat. They are produced in large numbers in primarily concentrated feeding operations where you might find tens of thousands of animals crowded into a single facility. So here's a question for you, or Google, or Alexa. How many broiler chickens are slaughtered each year in the United States? I don't have the most current statistic, but according to the USDA, in a report published in 2015 called Poultry Production Data, there were 8.54 billion broilers processed for meat in the United States that year. North Carolina, the largest poultry slaughtering state, accounted for 8.7% of the total, or 743 million birds. Needless to say, that's a bunch of chicken. According to a Market Watch report in 2016, each American ate about 200 pounds of chicken per year, compared to 165 pounds of beef and 160 pounds of pork. In recent decades, chicken has become the most popular meat choice, probably due to lower cost and the false assumption that chicken meat is somehow healthier. That conclusion depends upon what you're looking at. For example, in 100 grams or 3.6 ounces of steak, there are about 89 milligrams of cholesterol. And in the same amount of chicken breast, there are about 85 milligrams. 
very similar numbers and both would account for about 28% of the recommended daily limit. However, the steak offers 300 calories versus the chicken with 197 calories. So there is a significant difference in calorie intake. The lower calorie count for chicken is due to the lower amount of fat, 7.8 grams of fat for the chicken breast versus 19 grams for the steak. After they leave the processing plants, where do those broilers go? Well, of course, they wind up in grocery stores, convenience stores, food service companies, think institutional cafeterias, and restaurants, particularly fried chicken fast food establishments. Just to get a sense of how many broiler chickens wind up in that type of restaurant, let's look at one example. Kentucky Fried Chicken, the number one chicken chain in the country. According to a Business Insider article from 2012, KFC annually sold 1.8 billion pieces of chicken at that time. If we assume that a chicken consists of two breasts, two wings, two thighs, and two legs, then dividing 1.8 billion by eight chicken parts gives 225 million broiler chickens. Of course, that's assuming that the parts are sold in equal numbers. What percentage is that of the U.S. annual broiler production? It comes to about 2.6%. So just one restaurant chain in the United States handles roughly 2.6 birds out of every 100 birds slaughtered. Now, just think about all the dozens and dozens of other fried chicken chains in this country, and you can begin to imagine the demand for chicken meat in this country and why the slaughter numbers are so high. Let's get to the gist of this episode. As I've done in the past, I want to discover how much processed food winds up in a fast food dinner, and also to gather nutritional data about that dinner to understand how it may impact our health. For me, to get this kind of information, since I don't have any informants in the fast food industry, means that I have to rely upon published data from reliable sources. And that ultimately means I need to get the data from company websites. Now, that can get a little dicey. Some company restaurants don't report any ingredient or nutritional info at their websites. Some report only nutritional info but don't list any ingredient info. A small minority do report both. So I scoured the home pages of the most popular fried chicken restaurants in the United States. Of course, I was disappointed. Out of dozens of restaurants that I looked at, only two provided full disclosure, Kentucky Fried Chicken and Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen. But that's okay, because they are the biggest and are therefore the most representative. So I will be reporting on a common meal that a consumer could buy in each of these restaurants. That all-American meal consists of three pieces of fried chicken, a breast, thigh, and leg, a biscuit, and mashed potatoes with gravy. I'll be leaving out drinks since those are generic and not characteristic of a fried chicken joint. Just a side note, does our government require fast food restaurants or any restaurants for that matter to reveal menu ingredients or nutritional information to help consumers make healthier choices? The short answer is not much. 
According to the FDA ruling, as of May 2018, restaurant chains with at least 20 stores were required to label their menu selections with calorie counts. However, there are no requirements to pass along ingredient and nutrition information. That information is still voluntary. Also, local independent restaurants or smaller chains have absolutely no requirements to disclose any info about their menu items. More about that in the summary. For the meal analysis, I'll start with Kentucky Fried Chicken. Here's a blast from the past, 1969. I'm Colonel Harold Sanders, and I'd like to tell you a little bit about my Kentucky Fried Chicken. Hey, you two coming? You go ahead, honey. I want to talk to these folks a little bit longer. And now, I said Kentucky Fried Chicken. There's only one way to cook Colonel Sanders' Kentucky Fried Chicken, and that's my way. We always use plump, young broilers, always fresh, never frozen chicken. It's cut in pieces, and each piece is dipped in milk and egg wash, then into seasoned flour, in which we have the 11 different spices and herbs for flavor. One more thing, folks. It's the only way that you're going to get chicken that is finger-licking good. And I'd be mighty proud to have you try Colonel Sanders' Kentucky Fried Chicken. Mighty proud. Excuse me, Martin, will you please? <laughs> hey, look at there. Didn't I tell you it was finger-licking good? <laughs> Kentucky Fried Chicken. If you want Kentucky Fried Chicken, you have to visit me. Okay, well, that KFC ad from 1969 featured Colonel Sanders. By the way, you can easily find a recipe for the secret 11 herbs and spices on the Internet. At the time that commercial was made, Colonel Sanders, uh, also known as Harlan David Sanders, was 69 years old and no longer had control of the KFC restaurants in the United States. He was just a spokesman. Many people have heard the story behind Kentucky Fried Chicken, so I'm not going to spend a, a great deal of time telling it here. Just the beer facts. The founder was born in Henryville, Indiana in 1880, so he was not a Kentucky native. His title of colonel bestowed in 1935 was an honorary one, not a military one, and he was recommissioned in 1950. Kentucky Colonel is the highest title of honor bestowed by the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Commissions for Kentucky Colonels are given by the Governor and the Secretary of State to individuals in recognition of noteworthy accomplishments and outstanding service to a community, state, or the nation. It's surprising to note that Colonel Sanders lived to be 90 years old. Difficult to imagine that anyone regularly eating fried chicken could live that long. Maybe he had a lot of self-control. Harlan Sanders had an interesting life. He was a high school dropout, served in Cuba during the Spanish-American War, worked for the railroads, had a brief law career, sold various things like life insurance, and started his own ferry boat company. In 1930, the Shell Oil Company offered him the management of a gas station in North Corbin, Kentucky. While running the gas station, he introduced fried chicken to his customers. Over the next 10 years, he formulated his famous secret recipe. In 1952, Colonel Sanders began franchising the fried chicken business. He also began dressing as the part of a Kentucky colonel for the public and grew a goatee mustache 
which was dyed white to match his hair. The first KFC actually opened in South Salt Lake, Utah. At the age of 69 and unable to live on Social Security and savings, he opened a new restaurant and headquarters in Shelbyville, Kentucky in 1959. After that, Sanders got serious about franchising his restaurant. In 1962, he got a patent for his unique method of pressure frying chicken. And then in 1963, he trademarked the iconic phrase, it's finger licking good. His business took off from there. Over the next few years, the company expanded to 600 locations. When he turned 73 in 1964, he decided to sell most of the stores that he owned and became a salaried brand ambassador for the new owners. However, in later years, he became quite a vocal critic of the quality of the food served in KFC restaurants as not measuring up to his original recipes. Of course, that never stopped the subsequent owners of the business from using his image to promote those products. In later years, the company was acquired by R.J. Reynolds, the tobacco giant, and then by PepsiCo Company. In 1997, PepsiCo spun off its restaurant businesses, including Taco Bell and Pizza Hut, and created a new company that eventually was called Yum Brands in 2002, and that's where KFC resides today. Here are some fun facts about Kentucky Fried Chicken. In 1987, KFC was the first fast food restaurant to open in China. They now have over 3,700 of them. Dave Thomas, the founder of Wendy's, got his restaurant experience with KFC. After acquiring ownership stake in a few stores, he left the company with $1.5 million to start his own restaurant chain. In 1991, the company officially changed its name to KFC. The reason given was that they wanted to remove the word fried from the name for consumer health concerns. The actual reason, though, was to thwart the efforts of the state of Kentucky, who in 1990 trademarked the word Kentucky to help reduce government debt. Any company using the word Kentucky in their business name would be required to pay licensing fees to the state. Kentucky Fried Chicken refused to pay royalties, so instead changed their name. Since its founding, KFC has doubled its locations every 3.9 years. KFC currently has more than 17,400 locations globally. Four million people head to a KFC in the United States every day. In 2011, KFC accounted for 39% of the chicken fast food market, doing more business than churches and Popeyes combined. Let's turn to an analysis of a basic fried chicken dinner at KFC. Recall that I will be evaluating a dinner composed of three pieces of spicy crispy chicken, a breast, thigh, and leg, plus a biscuit and mashed potatoes with gravy. Note that all the data comes from the restaurant's website. A tally of all the ingredients in the dinner show that there are 72 ingredients in all, with 48% of them, or 67%, being unique. I did not count water or the vitamins and minerals in the enriched white flour. The chicken and breading have 15 ingredients. Note that the spices are lumped together as a single ingredient. 
The chicken marinade has eight, the biscuit has 17, potatoes have 12, and the gravy has 20 ingredients. Since salt, oil, and sugar, the SOS ingredients, are frequently used in fast foods, it's instructive to look at those ingredients separately. There are five uses of salt, six uses of oil or fat, and four uses of sugar. Looking at these as a group, 33% of all unique ingredients fall in those SOS categories. Next question. How processed is the KFC dinner? I looked at all the ingredients and tagged the ones I thought were synthetic or highly processed. The total came to 65% or roughly two-thirds. Were there any unusual ingredients? No. There weren't any industrial substances that I hadn't seen before in other processed foods. Things like sweeteners, preservatives, processing aids, flavorings or flavor enhancers, colorants, fillers, leavening agents, emulsifiers, and anti-caking agents, that is, flow additives. What about the nutritional profile of this modest KFC dinner? Here's what I found. The meal had a total of 1,050 calories. Now, remember that there was no drink involved. Given the recommended national standard of 2,000 calories, that meal represents 53% of the daily allotment. And it's definitely not a low-fat meal. There were 60 grams of fat, equating to 540 calories. That's 92% of the daily limit. Of the total fat, 14.5 grams were saturated, the heart unhealthy kind, uh, which accounted for 73% of the daily limit. There were zero grams of trans fat, showing that restaurants are indeed following the FDA guidelines for reducing and eliminating that type of fat, which is even worse for the heart. The cholesterol count came in at 205 milligrams, or 68% of the daily limit. Not good. There were 66 grams of carbs, or about 22% of the daily limit. There was a strong showing for protein at 59 grams. The sugars were very low at 1 gram. However, sodium was off the chart at 3,270 milligrams, representing 136% of the daily limit. Terrible for potential heart attack victims. Lastly, the fiber content was 5 grams, or 20% of the daily limit. That figure really should be closer to 33%, or 8 grams, to fulfill the recommended daily amount of 25 grams by the end of the day. Now, let's switch attention to the Popeye's Louisiana kitchen. Here's a recent ad for the chain. You know why Louisiana food is the best food in the world? Because we're slow cooking. You heard the man. Well, slow cooking's about to pay off fast with some deliciously good deals on my amazing Popeye's chicken. How good? I'm talking four pieces for only $5 good. You heard me. Four for $5 good. Or ten pieces and all this for 20 good. I'm talking, ooh, now I'm hungry good. Deals like this are why you don't just like Popeye's. You love that chicken from Popeye's. Pretty folksy and upbeat with that Cajun music. Uh, I have to admit that I've never stepped into a Popeye's restaurant. They exist in Illinois, where I live, but outside of Chicago, they are not as prevalent as KFC's. Popeye's has a story page at its homepage, 
although it leaves out some of the juicy facts. Here's a bit of history about that restaurant chain cobbled together from the homepage and Wikipedia. Al Copeland Sr. was a high school dropout, but as a teenager, he gained experience in the restaurant business by working in donut shops. In 1962, with the help of his brother, he opened up his own donut shop. In 1972, he decided to open a place called Chicken on the Run in a New Orleans burb in an attempt to compete with KFC. Quickly noticing that the name and the food were not catching on, he renamed the restaurant Popeye's Mighty Good Chicken after the main character, Popeye Doyle, in the film French Connection and changed the traditional fried chicken to spicy New Orleans style. Early on, the restaurant was not associated with Popeye the Sailor cartoon character, like many people have thought, but later became tightly bound to that character until marketing rights were terminated in 2006. The first franchised establishment was opened in 1976. In 1984, the chain went global with expansion into Canada. The 500th worldwide store was opened in 1985. By 1990, Copeland's company was awash in debt and filed for bankruptcy. In 1992, as a result of a court-approved deal with Copeland's creditors, it was taken over by America's favorite chicken company, called AFC, which at the same time acquired Church's Chicken from the Copeland Company. However, Copeland still retained ownership of the Popeye seasoning mixes and licensed them to AFC. Eventually, AFC paid $43 million for the ownership of those spice mixes. By 2004, AFC sold off churches. In 2008, the chain launched its bona fide brand to emphasize its roots in Louisiana-inspired cooking. In 2011, they opened the 2000s restaurant in Memphis, Tennessee. As of 2017, Popeye's is a subsidiary of the Canadian company called Restaurant Brands International and has become the second largest fried chicken chain in the world with 3,102 stores. The founder, Al Copeland, who had nine children with four wives, was a bigger-than-life personality who died at the early age of 64 in 2008. Here are some interesting facts about the Popeye's chain. To celebrate the opening of their 3,000th restaurant, a few stores offered a special. Boneless wings coated in champagne and tossed in 24-karat gold flakes. Beyonce's has a Popeye's card entitling her to a lifetime supply of free food. Popeye's has a store in Lafayette, Louisiana that offers an all-you-can-eat buffet. In 2011, the restaurant started offering a low-cal version of its chicken called blackened chicken, which is cooked without the high-calorie breading. Now let's get to the Popeye's chicken meal. A tally of all the ingredients in the dinner show that there are 162 ingredients in all, with 95% of them, or 59%, being unique. Yes, you heard me right. In this simple meal, there are 162 ingredients. Unbelievable. The chicken and breading have three ingredients. Note that the spices are lumped together as a single ingredient. The seasoning has seven. The batter has 11. The biscuit has 23. 
the potatoes have 31, and the gravy has 87 ingredients. Just the mashed potatoes and gravy together have 118 ingredients. What's going on there? To me, it looks like the, like Popeyes creates a gravy from whatever happens to be sitting around the factory at the time. The, the gravy contains lots of meat, chicken gizzards, pork shoulder butts, ground beef, turkey, and their juices. The ingredient list appears like a who's who of FDA-approved additives and synthetic chemicals. Since salt, oil, and sugar, the SOSO ingredients, are frequently used in fast foods, it's instructive to look at those ingredients separately. There are 13 uses of salt, 11 uses of oil or fat, and 13 uses of sugar. Looking at these as a group, 49% of all unique ingredients fall in those three categories. Next question, how processed is the Popeye's dinner? I looked at all the ingredients and tagged the ones I thought were synthetic or highly processed. The total came to 47%, or roughly half of all ingredients. Were there any unusual ingredients? Not really. Apart from the huge number of components and additives, the ingredients list was similar to KFC's. However, there was a new item. That's the familiar new ingredient sound. I've not talked about dipotassium phosphate before. Found in the potatoes, it's a sequestering agent which ties up metal ions in water and food. It's probably there to prevent enzymatic spoilage during storage of the potato mix. Looking through the whole list of ingredients, there are a few bad actors that appear. Even though they are FDA approved, food companies are supposed to be phasing out these harmful chemicals over time. The preservatives BHA and BHT show up in the potatoes. Acronyms which stand for butylated hydroxyanisole and butylated hydroxytoluene. These additives are banned in many countries. The flavor enhancer MSG, monosodium glutamate, shows up in the gravy. It is also a controversial additive with some people claiming adverse health effects after consuming it. Although the nutritional label claims no trans fat in this chicken dinner, both the potatoes and gravy have partially hydrogenated oils in them. These are sources of trans fat. Food manufacturers can get away with that as long as the trans fat content is less than 0.5 grams per serving. Ideally, food companies should be aiming to completely eliminate trans fats from their products since they have been linked to heart disease. What about the nutritional profile of the Popeye's dinner? Here's what I found. The meal had a total of 1137 calories. Now, remember that there was no drink involved. Given the recommended national standard of 2000 calories, that meal represents 57% of the daily allotment. It's definitely not a low-fat meal. There were 67 grams of fat equating to 600 calories. That's 103% of the daily limit. Of the total fat, 28 grams were saturated, the heart-unhealthy kind, which accounted for 140% of the daily limit. The cholesterol count came in at 220 milligrams, or 73% of the daily limit. 
not good. There were 66 grams of carbs, or about 22% of the daily limit. There was a strong showing for protein at 69 grams. The sugars were very low at 2 grams. However, sodium was off the charts at 3,355 milligrams, representing 140% of the daily limit. Terrible for potential heart attack victims. Lastly, the fiber content was 6 grams or 24% of the daily limit, a decent showing. How does the KFC chicken dinner compare to the Popeyes? Is one healthier or better for you than the other? There are two considerations. First, research in recent years has shown that highly processed foods, sometimes called ultra-processed foods, impact negatively on health. Everything from obesity to heart disease to gastric disorders to cancer. I've posted some articles about that in the last year on my Facebook page, so check them out. So looking at the percent of processed ingredients in a meal is a telltale sign of the possible adverse effects of consuming the meal. Also, although not as definitive, just counting the number of ingredients in a meal is a sign of potential problems. For KFC, 65% of the meal ingredients were either highly processed or synthetic compared to 47% for the Popeye's meal. For KFC, there were 48 unique ingredients compared to 95 for the Popeye's meal. Just the sheer number of ingredients, 162 in the Popeye's meal, should certainly cause a person to question what they are eating. A telltale sign of fast food are the percents of ingredients that are represented by salt, oil or fat, and sugar. The higher the number, the faster and cheaper, in terms of quality, is the food. Fast food companies use carefully measured ratios of salt, oil, and sugar to keep their customers coming back. The taste combinations can be addictive. For KFC, that was 33% or one-third. For Popeyes, that was 49% or about one-half. The second consideration is nutrition. KFC's meal comes in at 1,050 calories versus 1,137 calories for Popeyes. Those numbers are pretty close, but note that this small, unassuming meal, certainly not gluttonous, accounts for more than half the daily recommended amount for an average size, moderately active woman. If you eat these fried chicken dinners, you better stay light on breakfast and supper, or weight gain is certainly in your future. If I had added a 20-ounce soda, then about 300 additional calories would have jacked the totals to 1,350 and 1,437 calories, respectively. For both dinners, the fat grams are out the roof. 60 grams for KFC versus 67 grams for Popeyes, with significant amounts of saturated fat, a contributor to cardiovascular disease. In fact, in this one Popeye's meal, the amount of saturated fat is 140% of the daily limit. The cholesterol amounts are threatening in both meals. For KFC, it's 68% of the daily amount versus 73% for Popeye's. Probably the most blatant red flag for both meals is the sodium content. 3,270 milligrams for KFC versus 3,355 milligrams for Popeyes. The average Josephine should only be consuming 2,400 milligrams for the entire day. Anybody with high blood pressure, 
called hypertension, should not be eating this food. I repeat, not be eating this food. Regarding nutritional value, I can only say one good thing here. Both the KFC and the Popeye's meals are low in sugar. In terms of a healthy meal, I cannot recommend either the KFC or Popeye's fried chicken meal. However, due to Popeye's very high fat content, high saturated fat level, higher cholesterol level, and the incredible number of ingredients, if forced to eat one of them, the KFC meal would win out. Let's summarize this information. Last year, when I started looking at the foods served in fast food restaurants, I postulated that those foods would use the same highly processed ingredients that show up in packaged foods in supermarkets, roadside convenience stations, and box stores. It couldn't be any other way, since those foods are carefully designed to be cheap, taste wonderful, and appear identical wherever they are sold. Those are all traits of factory foods. The pattern began to emerge after looking at McDonald's, Burger King, Taco Bell, Pizza Hut, and Domino's in earlier episodes. Those restaurant chains were using the same food additives as the big food giants like Kraft, General Foods, and Kellogg's to preserve, enhance, color, improve taste, and aid the manufacturing processes. Today's evaluation of KFC and Popeyes just further confirms the original assumption. If the convenience food that you're eating takes just minutes to prepare is cheaper than what you could buy fresh at the store and keeps you coming back in a stupor, then that food has a heaping helping of synthetic and ultra-processed ingredients. Although the research is in the early stages, more and more scientific studies are showing that people who regularly eat highly processed foods are putting themselves at serious risk of chronic and life-threatening diseases. Unfortunately, not many people are sounding the alarm, particularly government agencies responsible for establishing nutritional recommendations. Have you ever heard a politician or high-level government bureaucrat advise us to curtail or limit the intake of highly processed foods? Not likely. The processed food industry is vast, with deep pockets and incredible influence. Think lobbying. Today's processed food industry is the equivalent of yesterday's tobacco industry. Sadly, it took over 30 years for the medical community, the government, and the public to recognize the dangers of smoking and to do something about it. I have little hope that, by the end of my life, that foods like KFC and Popeye's chicken dinners will have labels on them stating, Surgeon General's Warning, Avoiding Ultra-Processed Foods greatly reduce serious risks to your health. Finally, unless significant public pressure is brought to bear on government agencies like the United States Department of Agriculture and the Food and Drug Administration, consumers will continue to have a difficult time finding out what they are eating in restaurants and what the nutritional profiles are for that food. When we dine out in pretty much any restaurant, We throw health caution to the wind because we hand over our well-being to the restaurant management and food preparers. Well, it's time to close the show. To all the listeners in podcast land, old and new, I appreciate you tuning in. If you have a little bit more time, I'd greatly appreciate a review, good, bad, or indifferent, at the iTunes store. You can find all the episodes of Food Labels Revealed and their show notes at the hosting website called Podbean at www.podbean.com or just by googling food labels revealed 
And, of course, you can always listen to the podcast on your smartphone or tablet by downloading a podcast app like Apple Podcasts or Google Play. By the way, this podcast was just recently added to Spotify, which is one of the fastest-growing resources for podcasts. If you have a question or comment on anything about fast food ingredients or this podcast or just want to say hello, then drop me a line at foodlabelsrevealed at gmail.com. That's all one phrase, foodlabelsrevealed at gmail.com. If you think your family, friends, coworkers, or acquaintances might be interested in this podcast, tweet or post a link through your social media outlets to get the word out. Don't forget that the references and spreadsheet data provided in this podcast are available in the show notes located at the Podbean hosting website, or they might just show up in your app. Lastly, I have a Facebook page that is an adjunct to the podcast. Several times a week, I post a news item related to food ingredients, processed foods, and food trends. Just search in Facebook under Food Labels Revealed Podcast. Please give it a like when you get a chance. Next month, I will probably return to the quiz show format where I'll explore the depth of your knowledge about processed foods based on info provided in previous episodes. Until later, remember this. If you want to eat well and keep yourself healthy, eat food mainly from natural plants, not manufacturing plants. The outro music piece is called Isolated, composed by Kevin McLeod.